So tonight we're wrapping up our series called Steadfast, Study in First Thessalonians. So if you guys are unfamiliar with where we've been, what we've been talking about, we've been in this letter, which has then become a book in our what we call the New Testament of the Bible. And uh, originally this was a letter that some guys named Paul, Timothy, and Silas wrote to a church in a city called Thessalonica. Okay. And so uh, they wrote this letter because they had been with them previously. Cool. Is it me? I doing that? Oh, well, wherever. All right. So apparently uh, my microphone is popping. All right. We'll figure it out. So, guys, they wrote this letter because they had been with them previously. They had to take off and they wanted to encourage them in their in their walk with Jesus or following after Jesus every day. As we say here at uh, Alderwood Community Church, we're, we're committed to being everyday followers of Jesus. Or as we say in middle school, we want to be following Jesus every day. And so they were writing to help them understand that. So as we start this last uh, message here tonight in this series, before we start our new series in a couple weeks on 1 Timothy, one of the questions I had for you guys is I thought about the thing we're going to be discussing tonight is first begin, it's because I'm stepping on that thing. All right. Uh, the, when you first begin a new sport, a new hobby, some type of new activity, what's the first thing you have to do before you begin? I heard a bunch of practice. Learn the rules. Yeah. Oh, there we go. It's because it's stuck to my beard. <laughs> Got it, I think. All right. The first thing that you guys have to do is not practice. The first thing you have to do is not learn the rules. Here's the first thing you have to do. You have to decide that that is what you actually want to pursue. Here's the thing. You would never actually do that if you did not become convinced that that's what you want to do. When I first started playing soccer, you guys, I played soccer. I know I don't look it now. I played soccer my whole young life. Started at age four, played all the way till I was 18, all the way through high school, and then played like some a little bit uh, at my university and then decided I wasn't getting a scholarship and worth it. All right. So, uh, but here's the thing. We would all probably say, oh, we have to practice. But before you can even practice, you have to decide it's we want to be involved in. I had to make a decision, or when I was a kid, someone made it for me, okay, but I had to make a decision that I wanted to be involved in soccer. Right now, I'm going through this with my son. We're asking him, like, hey, what sport do you want to do? What, what's the activity you want to do? Do you want to do wrestling? Do you want to do soccer? Do you want to do football? What is it that you want to do? So far, the only thing I have gotten from him is football, uh, and, and that makes my daddy's heart very excited, because um, I love football, uh, but he has to decide, He's got to make a decision before he can begin doing anything, right? And at camp, if you guys were with us at camp, heard John talk about this idea of being convinced. In order to pursue anything, you have to be convinced that it is the thing that is worth pursuing. You won't put any effort into something that you are unconvinced of. Now, I know that's a bold statement. Because here's what I thought, or like right away, I said, you won't put any effort into something you're not convinced of. And here's what I thought. I thought somebody in the room is going to go, I have to do schoolwork and I'm not convinced I want to do that. You are right. You are absolutely right. Sometimes you have to do things that you think, you know, I'm not convinced that's what I want to do, but you are convinced that it's necessary. Here's how I know that. You have decided based upon cause and effect you just said that mm, I've, I've, I've weighed the risk and ward of not doing said activity and decided that I am convinced that it's not worth the risk to not participate in that. 
That makes sense? I've weighed the cost and effect and said it's not worth it to not do my homework because of the risk associated with not doing it. And for some of you, that doesn't even mean like not getting a good grade. It just means like mom and dad are gonna be super ticked when they find out that you haven't been doing your homework. And you've said, you know what? Peace at home? I'm convinced that that is something worth pursuing. So homework is simply a means of the thing that you're, you're convinced that you do want. Does that make sense? You make effort towards things you are convinced of. And before we even get into what we're talking about tonight, here's what I need you guys to know. If you are not convinced that following Jesus every day is something that is worth your time, then a lot of what I'm going to say doesn't matter. It doesn't. Because you have to be convinced in order to decide that following Jesus every day is something that is worth doing. I mean, you have decided that because Jesus laid down his life for you, that because we are all messed up, God created all of us, we've all screwed it up, and because of that, we're deserving of God's wrath. We're deserving of being separated from God forever. But he doesn't want that, so he's his only son to rescue us by dying a death that we deserve and cannot pay ourselves, and then got up from the dead. The Bible says that if we believe in our hearts, that that is true when we confess it with our mouths that we're saved, that we begin an immediate new life. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Our big idea that where we're going tonight is this, that if we want, excuse me, sorry, we remain steadfast by following Jesus every day. We remain steadfast, constant, by doing something constantly. That's kind of like defining a word by defining, by using the word, <laughs> okay? But follow me here. We're going to read this passage, and then I just want to unpack some things. Because there's some things that actually, if you were here on Sunday, are a little weird in this passage if you don't understand what they mean and why they're there, okay? So we're just going to read right through it, and then I want to unpack some of this stuff so we can get you guys straight into your small groups. I want you guys to spend some time there thinking back over this series tonight. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 28, the last six verses of this whole letter. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you. We gotta stop. Sanctify. Let's like a church word. What does that mean? We described this. We defined it previously. Sanctification, sanctify. Sanctification is the process of becoming more like Jesus. As somebody who wants to follow Jesus, I want to become more like him. That's what sanctification as a process is about. Continue. The God of peace sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. That's the one that's weird, right? I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. All right. There's some things I want to point out in this passage, things that I think are incredibly important. One is this, Becoming like Jesus is both instant, it is something that happens instantaneously, it's a gift given by God, and it's also a process. It's twofold. Here's what I mean by that. The moment that you come to know Jesus, the Lord and Savior, where you say, Jesus, I want to follow you every day, I want you to be the person who's the boss of my life, you are the one who paid, for, paid a debt I could not pay. When we come to that conclusion, when we submit to Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are instantly, according to this passage, sanctified or like Jesus. And here's what that means. 
that we have, when, when God looks at us, he sees Jesus' account, not yours. As God looks at you, he doesn't see all the debt that you owe. He sees Jesus' payment. You are now sanctified. You are like Jesus. But you're not complete. Because if you were like Jesus completely, you also wouldn't sin. You wouldn't do anything like to upset anybody. You wouldn't be rude to anyone. You wouldn't disrespect your parents. You would turn in all your homework on time. You would never kick a puppy. I don't know if you do that. Okay, but that's terrible. All right, so, but here's the deal. You guys would be complete. You would be done. You would lack nothing. But I think everyone in this room, if we're honest and not trying to be funny, if we're honest with ourselves, we all know that we are lacking something. We're not complete. In the same way that, guys, I started playing soccer when I was four years old. When I signed up to be a soccer player, when my parents signed me up, guess what? Instantaneously, as they signed, I was a soccer player. I was on a team. I had the gear. It was instant. The moment they paid my registration fee, boom, Curtis is a soccer player. Now... Was I the same soccer player at four that I was at 18? Gosh, I hope not. So my coaches in high school were dead wrong, okay? The thing, I had to actually continue to work at becoming a better soccer player all through my life. I had to look at the guidelines of what it meant to be a soccer player. I had to follow instruction, follow direction so that I might be a better soccer player each and every time I got back on the field. And in the same way, you guys, this letter that was written to a group of people, a church, 2,000 years ago, is full of instruction and commands that will help us to be steadfast, constant, in our relationship with Jesus every single day. It's full of things that will help us to get there. And it's not a list of rules. I think we approach the Bible so often, a list of rules. And here's what, it's, it's not a list of rules. What Paul writes here is a, is a list of directions or best operating procedures. I could run around on the soccer field wearing football pads, but I would be doing it wrong. Somebody's going to stop me and say, that's not right. You're not doing this correctly. If I, while I run out there with shoulder pads, they're going to go, that's not necessary for... And sometimes, you guys, we carry things into our life with Jesus, things that we don't need to put there. We need to look at scripture and find out what is required as I want to follow Jesus more and more closely every day. I do those things. And tonight, you're going to look at a list of things just from this book, just from this letter. Your smart leaders will have this, where you can look at what are those things that are listed out in this letter. But becoming like Jesus is both instant, it's a gift, it's given by God, and it's also a process. The next thing I see here is that we are supposed to care deeply and affectionately for one another. And when we say words like affection, everybody goes, ew, affection. Okay, here's the thing. We're supposed to care for each other. We're supposed to have affection for one another. There's this part of this passage that says this, brothers and sisters, pray for us. In other words, concern. If you have genuine, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have genuine concern and care for someone else, one of the best things you can do is continually pray for that person, to pray for each other. Here's Paul, somebody who is extremely spiritually mature, especially compared to the people he's writing to. And what does he ask? He says, hey, pray for us. Have deep care and concern for us, enough that you would pray to God for us. 
And he goes on to this next thing. And it's the thing that I think, and you guys have handled it real well. It derails most middle schoolers. Like as soon as we read this, right, is this. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. Now we need to understand what that means. Why, why does he say that? That seems so weird, so foreign to us. I've been to, uh, it's, it's actually the, the poorest country in Europe. Uh, Mitchell spent pretty much all last summer there. Some of your leaders have been there. This place called Albania. Okay, if you've seen the Kin movie, which you shouldn't, you're not old enough. Okay, uh, I always thought Albanians were terrible people because that's the only context I had was the movie and they, they steal people. Um, and, and, but when I went there, here's what happened. I noticed they greet each other interestingly. They do this from side to side. Even like the dudes, it freaked me out. Right? I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa I'm an American. <laughs> Calm yourself, right? And so, but here's the thing. For me, that was weird because culturally we don't do that. Like if I walked up to any of you and did that, you would be like, I need an adult now, <laughs> right? But to them, this is what that looks like. Hey, bro, what's going on? How you doing? It's good to see you. We, we have something different. We might greet each other with a holy hug. Like for some of you guys, you guys are too cool. Brandon, come up here real quick. Some of you guys are too cool for like a normal hug. So you get the bro pound. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Mm. All right. Right. You get the bro pound. Mm. Right. Some of you guys are like, you're, it's awkward. Like this girl, like I want to say hello. Side hug. Right. I don't know. But. But we greet each other differently in our culture than they did then. When we read Holy Kiss, here's one of the things that Mitchell and I talked about earlier today, is there is an aspect which saying, hey, you ought to greet each other differently, but I think he's also saying you ought to at least do in the church, have this kind of care and affection for people that you do outside. Because when we greet someone in a caring and affectionate way, it is really hard to hold a grudge, to be angry at that person, to treat them like anything other than a brother or a sister. It's really difficult. Like, I don't know uh, how many of you guys watched, you probably were in middle school, watched the State of the Union. <laughs> but last night, there was snubbing, right? And I don't care which side of the aisle your parents fall on and what you think right now, okay? But here's the thing. Last night, two of the most powerful people in our country refused to shake hands. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Right? Here's what Paul's saying. Paul is saying, don't do that. Continue to greet each other in a way that shares care and affection. You guys, we can't greet each other with care and affection if we don't actually care enough to care about each other. And so for us, maybe it does look like every time you come in the room, you get a slap pound. Maybe... For you, it's the bro, it's throw hug. Maybe for you, it is the awkward side hug. I don't know what it is for you, but we are to greet each other in a way that says, I care about you. You are important to me because you are a part of this family, the family of God. And right now, as Paul writes to a specific church, you are a part of family of ASM. You're a part of this group. And I will be honest with you guys. One of the things that really hurt my heart at camp was when I heard John tell his story about the kids that did not do that. 
I'll keep reminding you of things that are important because John said some really important things camp. And one of those was keep your circle open. If your soul group is closed so tight that someone comes into this room and cannot feel the genuine care and affection that you have for your group toward them, we're doing it wrong. We're doing it wrong. Most of you guys are killing it at this. It's awesome. I love it. I love to watch the way that you interact with each other. But if you're doing anything but this, you're not greeting each other with care and affection, whether you're a leader or a student. You are not doing one of the things that we are called to do as we are called to not just follow Jesus every day, but make him known, as we talked about at camp. We need to care and have affection for one another. And this last thing he says, he says, I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. We grow by following instruction. I grew as a soccer player because I follow instruction. I could have every day I gone to practice been like, you know what, coach, this drill sucks. I'm not going to do it. I could have. What would have happened? I don't get to play, that's for sure. My parents paid the money, so I'm still going to be on the team. But I'm not going to get to play. I can say, you know what? I'm not going to show up to practice. Uh, but I still expect to play. I'm going to tell you, you hit high school football, that don't happen. You guys, if we expect to be growing as followers of Jesus, but we're not interested in following the instruction of God's word, those two things don't, they don't mesh. We also can't be putting other things before our relationship with Jesus. We can't. And I know that right now I'm talking about soccer, okay? Here's the thing. The moment I put this ahead of him, I have lost the way that I am supposed to be going as I follow after Jesus. I can't put anything ahead of him. My hobbies, my sports, my, the things that... Uh, that I think are, are so important right now in my life. Guys, most of the things I thought were so important in my life, middle school, they are gone. You know what remains? Jesus. And I love the, the camaraderie that you guys have. I love the way that you love each other and that's important and it's exactly some of the things we're talking about. But I'll be honest with you, even that, I don't really talk to anybody on a regular basis that I was friends with in middle school, but you know who I talk to every day? Jesus. He is the one constant. He is the one thing that I am convinced of in my entire life that is worth it. There are lots of things that are worth my time, but Jesus is the only thing that is worth all my affection, all my attention of everything that I have and am. So guys, becoming like Jesus is both instant and its process. We need to care and have deep affection for one another. And we can only grow by following instruction, which you're going to see some of those things tonight. Our big idea, again, is remain steadfast by following Jesus every day. Tonight, our small groups are going to look like this. You guys can, leaders, you can snap a picture of the questions if you want. We're going to look at this list of commands. Each one of your small group leaders will get one of these from Mitchell on the way out tonight. As you go to your, I want you to look at these. I've listed out from chapters 3 through five of First Thessalonians, because that's where we get all of our like, instruction that Paul writes out. 
38 different things we're instructed to do as followers of Jesus. Some of those are going to come very naturally to you, depending on who you are, what your personality is, what just comes naturally to you. You know, for some of you, you're just naturally gifted at knowing the needs of others and meeting them. Some of you, you're just naturally gifted at using the words of scripture for for accountability. Some of you, you guys are, you naturally give thanks in all circumstances. You're just a joyful person, no matter what is going on in life. But there are also things that are difficult for each of us. There are things and ways in which we fall after Jesus every day that are just, they're hard for us as individuals. And that's where I want you guys to spend some time tonight because it's easy to focus on the things that we're really good at and be like, I'm killing it. And we just ignore what we call our blind spots. And I want you guys to be honest when we look at this list tonight. Where is it hard for you to follow Jesus? As we're given the instructions from Paul's letter. And what can you do to both trust God in that specific area and what can you do to then actively work on it? Put a plan in place. Here's the other thing. I could have followed instruction, but there were things that were harder for me in soccer. There were things that were easier. And the things that were harder, I had to put a plan in place in order to learn those skills. And I had to put more time and effort into those skills and honing them. Is one of the things that I have to hone in and I have to get better at personally as I follow Jesus every day. I am not a very patient person. I'm not patient. And it's something I have to continually work on and put plans in place and put tools in my life to say, I'm going to work at that so that I can be someone who knows Jesus and makes him known in a very real and tangible way to the around me. I don't know what it is for you guys. I hope that you will get honest in your group tonight and be honest with your small group. Say, hey guys, I need your help in this area of my life. Maybe you don't know what the steps are. That might be a time to listen up to those around you. Maybe they have some clues for you. Be there for each other. One of the things that we're talking about tonight is that we're to with one another. We're to help each other. Well, as I close in, in prayer, I'm going to ask our worship team to come back up. Close this in a song of worship. And then you guys are going to head off to your small groups for the night. And we're going to look at what Paul's instruction is and answer what comes naturally, what's most difficult, and what are we going to do about it. God, thank you so much for loving us when, even when we are unlovable, for liking us, even though sometimes we don't even like ourselves. And thank you for wanting us, even though we are so incredibly unnecessary. You love us because you do. Because you made us. God, I pray tonight that as we close in worship, we would really think about what are the ways in which I can improve as I follow you every day, Jesus? What are, what are the ways in which I'm, I'm doing really well and I can celebrate those things with my small group and we can celebrate together the successes we have in our walk with you as we follow you steadfastly every day. But what are the ways that I just need to be honest about the things that, that need to change so that I can both know you better and make you known in my life? It's in your name that we pray. Amen.